Welcome to the Keeping Kids Safe podcast. My name is Karen Cohn. I am the co-founder of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety. This is your number one resource for all things related to your child's emotional, physical, and social well-being. Now I'd like to introduce my co-host and my friend, the executive director of the Zach Foundation for Children's Safety, Megan Ferraro. Hi, Megan. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm well, Megan. How are you? I'm good. I can't believe it's already December. I know. How did we get here? Time is flying and the clock is ticking. That's right. (laughs) I'm so excited to introduce you to Donna Fishman, who is the director for the National Center for Children's Vision and Eye Health at Prevent Blindness. Donna coordinates the strategic programmatic efforts at the center, including the work of its advisory committee, state-level initiatives, national partnerships, professional development, communications, publications, and federal agency relationships. Welcome to the podcast, Anna. Thanks so much for having me today. Thanks for being here with us. We're really excited to learn more about um, toy safety and how it relates to the work that you do. And we have some really hopefully interesting questions that that we are really curious about and we know will be helpful to our audience. Great. And first we want to say welcome to National Toy Safety Month, which I'm assuming is um, perfectly positioned around the fact that we have the holidays coming and we're going to be buying gifts for our family and our friends and, you know, how best to keep our kids safe when they're using these toys, right? Absolutely. It's it's so essential. And I, I would just like to start by saying that every month should be National Toy Safety Month because kids have birthdays and there's other holidays and kids are around toys all the time. So safety should be our concern all the time. But I get it. We can't have every month Toy Safety Month, but I hope people will just keep it in their mind all the time, all year long. Absolutely. I was thinking about this very topic as my two-year-old found a Nerf gun under his 12-year-old brother's bed and was carrying it around and thinking to myself, well, it's really a good thing that we're having this interview with you so that we can learn more about why we should or should not have these toys in our house. Yeah, Um, great. So why don't we start with, you know, when and how was this, you know, month of recognizing toy safety established? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. I've been with Prevent Blindness for four years. We've been celebrating it that long. Um, We didn't actually designate that. It's, um, I think a lot of other safety organizations all got together and um, everyone recognizes kind of the deluge of toys that kids are getting this month and all the safety hazards. So I I think it's been celebrated a long time. Really great. Um, So on that topic of Nerf guns and, um, you know, any type of toy toy guns that kids might be playing with, whether they're water guns or the Nerf guns or any other brand. Um, what can you tell us about them? Should our kids be playing with them? And if so, um, how can they play with them safely? That's a, it's a great question, Megan. And I will say, you know, you're starting on with the most dangerous toys, really anything that has a projectile, whether it's a foam tip or not, um, BB guns, especially, you know, they're toy guns, but we say BB guns shouldn't even be because our eye care providers say BB guns should not even be considered as toys. But anything with a projectile, toy rockets, um, any kind of water guns, BB guns, 
you know, like you mentioned Nerf guns, um, really it's, it's very, you know, they can go right toward the face and right toward the eye. So we say to really steer clear of those. There's a lot of emergency room visits specifically for those toys, but any kind of toy that gets thrown or poked, it could be a toy. It could be sticks from your yard or from the playground or throwing, you know, a piece of bark from right from the ground. So anything that gets thrown or, you know, inflicted on someone can be really dangerous um, at the face and at the eyes. That's a great tip. I'm going to have to go hide those Nerf guns or get rid of them altogether. Yeah. I mean, we really say since you have an interesting mix of kids, right? At two and 12. And um, one thing we do say, eye injuries are the most common cause of um, vision loss for children under age five. And then for age five, it's right there among the top of the causes. And so um, we say, you know, nothing with small parts for young kids, you know, for young kids, one of the things we say that's really important is to read the box, read the packaging. And it's super important to see what the age range is um, and follow that because not everybody does. And, um, and then keep toys stored safely, right? So that the two-year-olds not getting the 12-year-olds easier said than done. I have two kids of my own who are older now, but lots of stories when they were young and getting at each other's toys. So um but, but it's really important. And also, I just want to mention that the designation for the safety is, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's the ASTM, and it's an association for toy safety. And it's really important that, that toys are deemed safe um, and to look at those and really follow the guidelines. And one thing I'd want to say also is that um, the kids need, need instructions and rules, just like for any part of their life, but really for playing with toys toys should be played with, um, how they were intended to be played with. And also kids play with lots of things, right? On the playground and picking up, you know, using sticks for not even like designated sports, but just playing with other things. And of course, young kids get into laundry pods and kids get into chemicals and there's risk of hand sanitizer. So supervision is really the most critical thing because you can tell the kids the rules. We all know kids don't always follow rules, whether they're little or whether they're teenagers and other things. Um, but, um, but ask, but, but ensuring that they follow the rules is really critical. And that active supervision is just really, really key. Absolutely. Um, I want, I had there a couple of different topic areas that I was curious about. First was kids eye safety while playing sports. And the second was related to devices. So why don't we start with, um, eye safety in sports and what kinds of tips and tricks you might have for us. Karen's kids play a bunch of different sports. And so do mine. Karen's kids are older than mine are. So there may be different needs based on age. Um, but would love to hear your perspective and any tips you might have. Sure. So, you know, my kids played sports as well. And 
I didn't know anything about eye safety. Like I said, I've been at Prevent Blindness for years, worked on other public health issues. And this is one of the problems with vision and eye health is it's just not in the news enough. We don't know enough about it. And a lot of people don't know to be concerned about it, right? So when my kids were little, I was ter- my son fell down a flight of stairs when he was two and a half years old. So I was you know, terrified of broken limbs and concussions and things, but we don't think about eye injuries. And again, they're so, so common. Um, so with sports, um, some of the, the, probably the sports that have the highest incidence of eye injuries are basketball, soccer, and baseball, but it doesn't mean that there's not injuries from other sports. So one of the really important things is safety, is eye safety protection. And it actually, I'm not going to go through the whole litany, but there are different protective devices for the eyes for every sport. So it's really important to learn the safety. We have information on our website about that at preventblindness.org. And you can just Google, you know, can go in the search bar and look at eye safety. Um, but it's really important. And what we say is the protector should have poly, I'm reading the word to make sure I say it right, polycarbonate. That's what you're looking for in goggles. And one thing we want to stress is you shouldn't put some of that safety wear over your regular glasses. It might not fit right. So some things, if you do wear prescription glasses, um, you can get, you can have prescription safety gear as well. But helmets, you know, if we're talking baseball, hockey, helmets, and then face shields, super important um, for outside sports, that ultraviolet, you know, that UV rays, getting, having sunglasses is also really important, but regular glasses, sunglasses do not protect from injury. So that's one thing really important that I want parents and caregivers to know that you really do need specialized equipment. Like you wouldn't send your kid out to play hockey without padding. You wouldn't send your kid out to play football without padding, right? So it's the same and and good sturdy shoes and ice skates that work. And um, so the eye protection is really, really critical too. My daughter plays lacrosse and she has those goggles that it's almost like a cage over your eyes where it's open, but it has wire so that if a ball should come at her, it will bounce basically off the goggles. And that's great. And I, I hope that's required. Um, yes, they are required. Kudos yeah. to you. Okay, or she good. cannot. No, she can't participate in the sport if she doesn't have them on. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And the states would definitely have, you know, if it's high school, I don't know about collegiate level, but, you know, the high school sports associations have their safety standards. And, you know, obviously when they make it a rule for every kid, that's great. It's hard when it's, you know, you're the mom who says you have to wear the safety goggles and my friends aren't doing it very, very difficult. So when it's required, I mean, obviously that's what we're going for. We're going for that requirement that everybody has it. I bought those goggles for my nine-year-old daughter to use for field hockey. And she was the only child at the field hockey clinic with the goggles on. And she looked at me like I was crazy. Oh no. (laughs) Well, I hope that precipitated a conversation with the coach to say, you really should be requiring these. And and you can, any parent, I mean, you can look up online, what are the safety standards for every sport and share those with the, oh, if it's a private club or if it's a school, however the sports are run and share those. I encourage yeah. parents to do that. You have to advocate. We all know this on everything. You have to advocate for your kid. And that's what's really critical. And if you know what's right, that's, you do the right thing. That's so true. 
Absolutely. And oftentimes when parents don't know about it, if you just talk to other parents and then they're like, wait, why aren't we protecting our kids' eyes around this? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you can um, really make changes around it, which would, you know, improve safety for the entire team at your school. Right. And if your if your school doesn't have the policy, advocate to get that policy changed. Same thing on the state level, you know, in your local community for the sports teams. Um, so I really encourage, and we're happy to help with that and help get language for that. Whatever people need, we're always happy for that to keep kids' eyes safe. That's great. Well, I'll be in touch. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I am really curious about this idea around vision health and device usage amongst young kids um or really anyone right how long should our eyes be looking at screens whether you're a toddler a preteen a teen or an adult um, can you give us some ideas around what your recommendations are Sure. We have a great handout and I I encourage you to go on our website and look at it. And I don't mean to keep plugging our resources, although I love our resources, but I particularly love this one. Um, It's really colorful and it's great. Share it with schools. It can post it. Um, We work very closely with school nurses. School nurses, um, you know, have a lot of this information. So definitely, you know, work with them too. But there are a lot of great suggestions. Um, And there are other organizations I will mention besides us who are giving some guidelines that don't necessarily have to do with vision, but device use in general. And I want to give credit, the American Academy of Pediatrics, I believe has, they have recommendations and it's really about child development, right? What's healthy for kids generally, not just about the eyes for device use. So I just want to point people to the AAP for that because they have great resources. But for us, one thing we say is um, for the first year of life, no devices. Um, What I've heard, uh, you know, doctors say is, you know, FaceTiming or Zooming with grandparents who are far away and want to see, obviously that's fine, but not to, you know, obviously when the kid's really little that can't even hold a device, but don't put them in front of the TV, really just keep them away from devices for the first year. And then we, our, our recommendation is one hour a day between the ages of two and five. I know that's very tricky. It's our recommendation. And then for six and older, um, you know, obviously that's, that's up to everyone. And we know during COVID that kids were in school all day online and then their recreation, you know, if they couldn't get outside at first, it was, you know, if you live where I live in Chicago, it's cold still in March when COVID started. So there wasn't that much opportunity. Not, not every child has a safe place to play outside, but one of the key, key recommendations is getting outside. The sunlight is actually really good for your vision. Um, obviously not staring at the sun, but being out in the sunlight, there's some indication that those ultraviolet rays actually help with protecting kids against, um, against myopia and the, and the worsening of myopia, which is nearsightedness. And there's a real epidemic of that. So there's not a clear connection. I can't say research shows that the more device used, the more likely you are to get myopia. There is some research that says that, but it's not it's not completely consistent, but having breaks from screens is really essential. Also making sure right now I'm about 24 inches away from my screen. The screen should be arm arm's length away 
And I know we are all guilty of holding our phones like this. And that is something that we really need to get away from. Taking breaks, we say, I like the 20-20-20 rule. Every 20 minutes, take a 20-second break from your screen and look at something 20 feet away. Hmm. And again, it's just to, um, it's to give your eyes a break. Um, and so that it's the eye strain that we're really, you know, that we're concerned about with, um, with too much device use. Um, and, you know, and then of course there's all the psychosocial things also, but just in terms of the eyes, we want to be really careful about that. So taking the break and then I have a few other tips again, um, avoiding screen glare. So really look at, I, and make sure I have my brightness and contrast lowered in my phone. Make sure you um, make sure you work on that with your kids as well. Um, blinking a lot keeps the eyes moist. And I, you know, sometimes we don't notice how much we're blinking, but then we can our eyes can become pretty dry. Um, and then also try to not let kids use devices one to two hours before bed. Um, part of it will be that they won't be able to sleep. I mean, that's just part of kind of the adrenaline and that stimulation. You hear that a lot for people who can't sleep, but also you know, giving their eyes a break. It's a great, it's a great time to read a real book, um, mm -hmm. tell stories, spend time with your kids, things like that. Um, but I would like to point out just a few, what we say are some of the common problems that we see from screens that would indicate that that there might be an issue and you really need to set some boundaries if you can. Um, so one is, I just mentioned the inability to sleep. Another is the frequent rubbing of eyes, tired eyes. A, you know, a young child won't be able to really, they won't notice they have tired eyes, but they, they might give you some indication of that. Headaches. When I first, I've only been wearing glasses since I was in my early forties and I was having horrible headaches and that's, I said, maybe I should get my eyes checked. Right. Um, and then difficulty focusing. And um, so it could be focusing, physically focusing or focusing kind of brain wise focusing. And, um, you know, kids who are playing too many video games and they just kind of get in the zone again, those frequent breaks. And it, it's hard to monitor. But, you know, listen, when kids are older, they can set an alarm every 20 minutes, like put your controller down, look at something far away make sure they're getting outside. So those are some of the, the big tips, but also we say to make an appointment and go see an eye, eye care provider, an optometrist or an ophthalmologist if your child's having any of those symptoms. And then I've got, when we talk a little later, I've got a whole other list of list of symptoms that, that parents and caregivers can be on the lookout for um, that would precipitate you making an appointment for, a, for an eye exam. Well, that was one of my next questions, you know, um, when or why, would you think to make an eye, you know, an appointment for an eye exam? I, I did for my son and the person we saw recommended vision therapy. Um, and so we were just kind of bouncing back and forth, trying to figure out what to do. And our mm -hmm. reasons for seeing, um, an eye therapist were probably a little different than most, but I'm curious to know. And I, I the other reason I think about this is because my daughter got a concussion. She got a concussion because she and her brother were playing with stomp rockets in the backyard. And it wasn't that the rocket hit her, but it was that she and her brother bumped heads while they were yeah. bending down to play with the stomp rocket. She ended up with a pretty serious concussion and was in 
vision therapy for six months for that. And it was, you know, covered by insurance and it was done mm-hmm. at our children's hospital and it was a concussion recovery strategy that, that they used. And it was very, mm-hmm. very successful, but wondering right. just more generally when you, what are some things that we should be looking out for with young children and how should we know other than our pediatrician telling us, gee, they failed this eye exam in the office here, um, that we should go and make an appointment. Right. That's a, it's a great question. And, you know, there's, there's a couple of things. So one, I would say that um, you mentioned, you know, the pediatrician or a, a primary care, not always pediatrician, but a primary care provider should be doing some screening for vision. Right. So they look at, you know, the tracking, they shine that light in the eyes. Um, and then sometimes they use a chart or they have an instrument that looks like a camera. They're taking pictures. So there's lots of different ways in the schools. They do some screening 41 States, um, 41 states do have laws mandating vision screening in schools. It's not, I don't think any school, I don't think any state mandates every grade. So, you know, kids can fall through the cracks or develop an eye problem. Vision develops from birth. So when a baby is born, they can only see a few inches away, basically from like where they're held to either nurse or get a bottle to the face of whoever's feeding them. That's about as far as they can see. So, um, you know, so we really have to be on the lookout from birth for possible vision problems. And the way we think about it is what we call our ABCs, appearance, behavior, and complaints. So obviously very little children are not going to complain. You have to be on the lookout for their appear, you know, how the eyes appear and then some of their behaviors as they get older, they might actually be able to verbalize some of, of what the issues are. Um, but one of the things that we look at for the appearance, but for the appearance is if, if the eyes are not straight. So if they're, if one eye or both are looking up or out or down or in, so sometimes cross eyes, it's actually, it's called strabismus. And what happens is if, if one of the eyes is crossed in, the brain is not, it stops sending a signal to actually see something, right? Because if you're looking right here all the time, it's hard to see and the brain will shut that down. And then that becomes what's called lazy eye or amblyopia. And amblyopia can only be treated, um, means that it would prevent the permanent vision loss till about six or seven. Sometimes when kids are a little older, there are some effective treatments, but overall we say six or seven, which is why it's super important to get screening early, to get your child to an eye doctor, um, in the, just, you know, you mentioned pediatrician's office, just to make sure people understand that is not a full comprehensive eye exam. If you've had eye exams yourself, you know, um, with or without, but it's better with the eye drops for the, um, you know, to make sure that the eyes are dilated, they get a much better view into the eye that way. So, but in terms of at home to answer, finally, I'm going to answer your question. Um, so how the eyes look. So really tracking them. Um, and then if the eyelids are, you know, have, are red, if there's any crustiness, if you see to what seems like watery eyes, red, swollen, eyelids are droopy. Um, if you see the iris, you know, the colored part is different in each eye. Um, if you're seeing what's called nystagmus, eyes are kind of darting back and forth a lot. That's all what we're looking for, for the appearance, appearance for behavior. I mentioned it with, with, um, with the screens, also with devices, rubbing the eyes often, closing one eye to see, turning the head. This is a real giveaway. Like I'm, you know, I'm looking at something and I'm going like this. So turning the head, 
squinting to see. And as um, I won't give away my age, but there's, you know, as you get older, you see a lot more squinting and holding menus out here and things like that. But for little kids, same thing, squinting when they're trying to see, tilting the head, difficulty when concentrating. So this is one thing I have to give teachers, preschool teachers, elementary teachers, middle school, high school. Often that is where an eye, a vision disorder will be caught. Um, so, you know, not every child gets a vision screening as we talked about. Um, and the, you know, we hope that most kids get annual physicals, right? We know they need their immunizations for schools, but not everyone, especially during COVID was keeping up with their well child checks and the offices were closed and COVID concerns. Um, but it's really important to, to get those eyes checked so that we know if they're having trouble concentrating, that's another thing that it always, what we'd like to say is rule out a vision problem. So we see that when kids are get into the special education system or being assessed, my child's not learning to read, the teacher thinks they might need special education. When they're getting assessed, um, they have to, it's really important to get the eyes checked then because you don't want them putting put in special education if in fact they need a pair of eyeglasses to see if they're either far-sighted or nearsighted. So sometimes they can't see the teacher on the other side of the room or they can't see the book the teacher's reading or you know a worksheet's put in front of them and they can't read the numbers or the letters and they're not learning to read and write because of that. So again, it's um, it's such a simple thing to get an eye exam. That, that that's what we suggest. So that difficulty, you know, and again, bringing things close to the face and then in complaints, you know, the kids might say my eyes are itchy, my head hurts. I can't, you know, the light is too bright. I'm dizzy. And so those are all kinds of what we should call the complaints that would precipitate um, a family to, to get an eye exam. And we highly encourage better to have the exam and find out it's, there's nothing wrong with the eyes than not get the exam. Absolutely. Such great advice. Thank you so much, Donna, for everything. And we just wanted to ask you, is there anything else that you wanted to share with us that you haven't been able to talk about today? Um, you know, I just want to talk about a couple of things in terms of, thank you. Thank you for asking Karen, because of course there's something else I want to say just in terms of, um, general eye health and eye safety, you know, vision has an impact on all parts of our lives. You know, you think about babies exploring the world and how they learn about things. And I, I remember one of, when I learned that, you know, one of the, the key milestones for a baby at around seven, eight months when you, you put them in the high chair and then you put a Cheerio or some you know small piece that they can eat and you're looking for that pincer grasp. Can they pick up, can they pick up that Cheerio? Well, if they can't see the Cheerio, they can't pick up the chair. And I never thought about it. I always thought about it from the gross and fine motor skills. So we have a series of handouts for elementary and preschool teachers called Think of Vision. And that's really my one of my main messages today is just to keep to get families, caregivers, people who are daycare providers, teachers to just think of vision as, as a possible, um, as a possible problem so that kids can get all of their needs taken care of eating healthy foods with high, um, you know, antioxidants are really important. You know, you always hear carrots, right? Carrots are so important for the eyes, but a lot of things, eggs brought, you know, fruits and vegetables really, you know, all really important, important for overall health and for eye health. So I just wanted to make sure you point that out and how important it is again, to get the eye exams. 
Um, you know, we hear stories, sometimes a child will pass a vision screening, pass a screening in school, pass a screening in daycare or with the, the primary care provider. If you as a parent has a concern, go to the eye doctor. And, or, you know, if you need a referral because you're an HMO, just make your case to your primary care. And if you don't need a referral, then, you know, you just make the appointment. Um, the other thing I want to point out is that there are optometrists and ophthalmologists who are trained to work with children. And we really encourage, it's very hard, I know, in rural areas, but um, where there's not as many providers, but to go to someone who specializes in children there, it's hard to do an eye exam on a squirmy kid and doctors who are trained know how to do that and enjoy doing that. So we just encourage people to, to look for um, pediatric providers. That's a great tip. (laughs) And so you have great resources that you mentioned throughout the podcast. And so we want to tell our listeners as well to go to your website as well to find all of these great resources online to keep your, uh, your children's eyes um, and vision healthy and well. Yes, yes. absolutely. Preventblindness.org. And then I work with our National Center for Children's Vision and Health, which is very long. So preventblindness.org should get you to all of our resources. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here with us today, Donna. And thank you to all of our listeners for listening to this episode. And if you would please share it with your friends and family and rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, we would really appreciate it. Have a great day. 